The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. It's such a gift to walk into a room. Uh, you're the fourth and last service, but to walk into a room and go, I, I like these people. Um, there are so many remarkable people here that I would love to have a drink or enjoy Thanksgiving with you. You don't have to invite me. I have plans. I'm not fishing for an invitation, but, um, but people that you long to be with and get to share life with. And the good news for you and for me is that what I have to share with you today is it's, it's really good news. Anybody feel like you need some good news? Amen. Like the world has just been so off that we could use some good news. And it's, it's really, really good news. And I'd love to start with uh, a reflection of gratitude. I couldn't do this in July, but I'd love for you to say out loud some of the things you love about this city, about Houston. Um, in July, you're just like, we hate everything because it's so <laughs> hot, we can't. But we walk out today and you're like, I could exist outside. And stay alive and that feels really, really good, right? So just, I'm curious, we start over here. What is, what is the diversity is the first thing in every service, right? The diversity is the city. And then food is the second, which by the way, they're the same. So the reason the food is so good is because of the diversity, right? That's what makes the Astros. What else do we hear? Volunteerism, the arts, right? We're out of time actually, just as a Houstonian, appreciate it. All of our teams are crushing it. So whether it's soccer, the Rockets are amazing. We have an Ecclesian who's on the Rockets team right now, Aaron Holiday. You ought to be rooting for him. He's part of this really good start we've had. The Texans have a quarterback. Like we have a legit, amazing <laughs> quarterback. And that's been really fun. We got a great team and the team fights hard and they're easy to root for. And, and the Astros are the Astros. I mean, it's just, this is a good time to be in the city. Somebody said the arts, right? I mean, that literally, there's so many things happening in this city. You can go to museums and art galleries. Uh, somebody posted, Deb Ingen, who's an Ecclesian. I didn't even know that uh, Broadway show, MJ, the Michael Jackson show was here. And I've been dying to see it. Like, I'm, I'm a fan, right? So you're just, there's so many places. You can get up any day and see God's beauty in all these corners. What else? What else do you appreciate about this city? The medical center, right, that we have. We have people here that are part of healing people that are profoundly sick. Research and innovation is happening here. I mean, it's, it's amazing. People have devoted their lives to help people be well and healthy and strong. And I'm, what else? Opportunities. You know what I love? You know, I'm, this is gonna sound like it's the sermon and it's not the sermon if I get too fired up. What I love about this city, about Houston, is that there are opportunities for everybody. And I'm, I'm more of a Houstonian even than I am a Texan, just so you know. I love Texas, but Dallas, if you're offended and you're from Dallas, I don't care. Um, <laughs> it doesn't bother me at all. But in Dallas, Dallas is more like Atlanta. They care like what family you came from and who your grandparents are. And Atlanta and Southern cities are kind of that way. In Houston, nobody cares who your grandparents are. My grandparents are nobodies. The question is like, who are you and what are you gonna do in the world, right? And it, it makes it a great city. All these things, we could go on and on. Uh, at the end of the day, we kind of end where we started, right? This diversity that makes the food and our lives and the things you learn so beautiful. Uh, this week, um, our family had a, a quick turnaround. So my father-in-law moved, he's a native Houstonian, and uh, his kids moved him away three years ago because he was living by himself and it, it wasn't good. It was not good at all. And, uh, 
And my sister-in-law who's here, she lives in Little Rock and she's um, a PA, a, 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 what do you, nurse practitioner, I always get them confused. And, and so she's great at taking care of him and, and she's taking care of him for three years, but he moved there during COVID and he moved into a building and he didn't really make friends and he just kind of complains a lot. And so she got a little tired of it and we finally said like, they're either gonna kill him or we need to move him back to Texas, right? And so this week we did a thing, like she went and helped pack him up. They, my wife flew in and grabbed a few guys and literally I jumped on a, a flight to Arkansas right after a long day of meetings at the West Side with our staff and barely caught the flight and landed and grabbed the U-Haul and started driving through the night to get here and then grabbed some friends at Home Depot and they helped me unload everything. And which by the way, you can get help for anything. You can go make friends at Home Depot any day. You have to pay them, but they'll still be your friends. And we got it all unloaded and set up and literally in a 24 hour period, he moved into his place was ready for him. And then we went down and we had the first meal there and it was as though they served. And by the way, it's amazing in this city that you can find a place to live. His place is $1,800 a month with three meals a day included, all bills paid. And the food's good. So we sat down for the first meal. I've eaten there four times this year. I'm thinking about moving in. And, and we sat down and the first meal were tamales. And he was literally like, you could almost see it like I'm home, right? Like tamales, like this is good. And, and there's something about the way that cultures clash and collide in this city that's so beautiful. Anybody have a moment where you're learning from another culture and you, you just realize like, we're doing it all wrong. Like, you just have this moment and you're like, I never would have realized that if we didn't have this intersection, right? This moment when the first time maybe you're late, at some point you're eating with chopsticks and you're just like, oh my God, this is the way to, like, we're all fat because we eat with a miniature shovel. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not the way to do it. We shouldn't be eating with a shovel. We should eat with sticks, right? That would be better. We wouldn't be this way. Or, or when you're in with a culture and they eat with their hands, Right? And all of a sudden you're like, isn't it beautiful when you're eating a culture and they, they take a piece of bread or if you, you're, you go to an Ethiopian restaurant in Jira and in every, every bite you get to taste bread. I mean, isn't that brilliant? Like you taste bread with every bite you take. Like that's a great way to eat, right? And there are these moments where you're exposed to a different culture and you realize like, wow, that, that's what I was missing. And what I want to tell you, I want to tell you a story today of how I think I would have lost my faith. And that, I take that really seriously. I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm really fired up about Jesus. But you know what? I so misunderstood some of the most important parts of my faith for a very, very long time. And all of a sudden, I started reading some Latino theologians. And I started spending time with my Latino brothers and sisters. And I learned that they read the Bible in a way that I needed to learn from. And the passage we're gonna look at today is this passage where Jesus tells us, it's kind of the twin passage to what Sean shared with you last week at the end of the Beatitudes. And Jesus said, blessed are those who were persecuted for righteousness. Blessed are those who were persecuted for righteousness. And it's, it, it kind of goes with this part that he has later in the sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount, where he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And you know why my faith was really in trouble? Because I didn't understand, this is one of the most important things Jesus said, and I didn't understand what persecution or righteousness meant. I was getting it wrong on both counts. 
And what I want to tell you today is the story of how I learned from my Latino brothers and sisters what one of those words in particular, and really in some ways both of them, actually meant. And when I understood what they meant, my faith came alive in a new and a vibrant way. One of those theologians was a man named Rene Padilla, and Rene became a friend. He died early on in COVID. He lived in Buenos Aires. Uh, Rene was a, a well-known Latin American theologian, and, and he wrote some books that just helped me see the Bible more clearly. In fact, in the earliest days, we brought him in at Ecclesia to preach at Taft Street. And um, I mean, it's such an honor to have. And what Rene would do is he would take the most basic Bible stories that you think you understood and then expose to you how you weren't reading it right, right? So when he came to Ecclesia, he preached on the simplest story. You would think you knew it, right? Zacchaeus, because Zacchaeus was what? He was a wee little man, right? He was a short guy and he had short guy syndrome, big time. And this wee little man, by the way, I, if you want to meet somebody like Zacchaeus, go through TSA at IAH, right? And... Uh, I travel just enough that I, I care about the rules at TSA. And in Terminal B, they will often, you don't have to take off all your clothes to go through security, just so you know. You're entitled to keep your belt on if you want to keep your belt on, especially if you get one that doesn't buzz off with the security. And it's part of the rules. It's your discretion. But this little guy at, TS, at TSA, he kept telling me, like, I'm not letting you through until you take your belt off. And I'm like, the rules say I don't have to take my belt off. And he's like, you're not getting on the plane until you take your belt off. So eventually I took my belt off <laughs> and I made it through TSA. Zacchaeus had that kind of like complex and he literally, he was a tax collector and he would go take things from people, sometimes unjustly. But when we know the story of Zacchaeus, right? It was just, he was a wee little man and he climbed up in the tr sycamore tree for the, right? And then that day, Jesus said, what? I'm going to your house today, right? You, you realize when we tell that story, Rene was like, you guys, you don't even know the punchline of the story. You, you don't even know what the story's about. So, well, you know, Jesus and Zacchaeus, they, Jesus went and ate with Zacchaeus. And Jesus wanted to be with Zacchaeus, Right? Are you kidding me? This story is about justice. This story is about when a man meets Jesus, he becomes so obsessed with justice that it's the only thing he cares about. And he didn't care about justice at all before, but after he had dinner with Jesus, he literally, he gave half of what he owned to the poor and he went back to the people that he'd taken extra money for and he paid them back four times what he'd taken from them. Because he became the person Sean told you about last week, that he said, I care about justice more than starving people care about food. I want the world to be right for everyone. When you meet Jesus, you care about justice. And I learned from my Latino brothers and sisters that I wasn't reading the Bible very well. So I want to share with you four things and I want to invite you into what I think this passage actually means. And here's the first, and this is where I missed it. This is what you need to know. Persecution is not being left out or ignored or disliked. That's not persecution. I grew up in a world and in a church where we were taught, you know, we, we thought we were persecuted because Saturday Night Live came up with the church lady. We thought we were persecuted because they wouldn't let you get on an intercom to say a prayer at school, right? We thought we were persecuted if somebody now makes fun of you on Twitter, right? Where the truth is, 
persecution is happening in places. You go to China and there are pastors that are standing against the power structure that, that is destroying people, right? And, and they're willing in their stand for justice for it to cost them their life and everything. For most of us, when we do the right thing, we get celebrated for doing the right thing. The question is, will we do the right thing if it costs us everything? Jesus says, you come to a point where justice matters to you more than food matters to starving people, when it matters more to you that things are just and right than even your own safety because you're willing to be persecuted for righteousness. Persecuting's not being left out. It's about being willing to give up everything for what's right. Secondly, righteousness is nothing like self-righteousness. This was my problem. I thought righteousness was something it's not. The reason I learned from my Latino brothers and sisters is that when they translate this passage, in the Bible in Spanish, they say, blessed are those who are persecuted for justice, justicia. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his justicia. And if you read the Bible that way, you're gonna see the whole world in an entirely different way. I thought righteousness was something more like self-righteousness because I grew up in a world, and I hope you didn't, but I grew up in a world where we went to Sunday school and we were given an envelope like this. Anybody remember an envelope like this? And on the envelope, you got a grade. Anybody want to be graded for your Christianity this week? And this is how you got graded. You got 20% for attendance. You're up to 30 points if you were on time. You're up to 40 if you brought your Bible and up to 50% if you brought an offering. If you prepared your lesson and you showed up for preaching, you could get all the way to 100. And then you got kind of bonus points if you visited people to tell them about Jesus over the course of the week. There's so many problems with getting graded in your Christianity because that's not Christianity. Here, here's the problem. If you're one of these people, how many were like the people, you got 100 every week, like you were gonna get it right. And the problem was if you got 100 every week and you did all the things, it actually wasn't good for you. If you got 100 every week, you know what? You became a jerk, like nobody liked you. And you thought you were being a good Christian because you showed up with your Bible on time and prepared your lesson and went to the preaching. It, the question should have been, did you pay your workers well? Did you include the kid at the lunchroom that had nobody to sit with? Did you? It didn't involve any of the truly Christian things. So you were in trouble. If you got 100 every week, you were in trouble because it got in your head. It told you all, all the wrong things. And yet, for most of us, not probably most of us in the room didn't get 100. Most of us got 10. We showed up, but not on time. You got 20 or 30. And the message you heard was you're never going to be good enough. You're never, you're never going to be able to perform. You're not good enough. And I got to tell you, that message, there's nothing about it that's Christian. That's not the message of Christianity. Christ was good enough for you. That, that voice that you hear, and you don't have to raise your hand, but there are probably many of us in the room that like, you pretty regularly hear a voice that just says, you're not good enough. And if you hadn't made that mistake, but you deserve this, this is the life you've chosen because you're not good enough. You're never gonna measure up. 
And that, that voice is not the voice of God. What the scriptures tell us is the opposite. That's the voice of the liar and the deceiver. And what we have to learn to do is silence that voice. That voice will lead to destruction. The true voice of God is telling, you're beloved, you're chosen, you're the one I love, I have plans for you. We're, we're going, we have a life and a story to live that's beautiful and true and good. But often we ended up with a righteousness that was more like self-righteousness. We ended up as, as people that I've said to you before, we, we read the Bible, but we read it to, to show how right we are, right? I remember growing up with people that was like, they would read the Bible and it was like, they were using it as something they could argue with others. You know how stupid it is to argue about the Bible? The Bible is intended to give you a gift to help you love God and love other people well. One of the things I'm so excited about next year, by the way, 2024 is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be awesome. Did you know our church is gonna turn 25 years old in 2024? It feels like a thing. I think about it and I start to weep. It feels like a thing to be 25 years old. And Sean and I are really excited about the series we're gonna start in the new year. And we're gonna invite you into some ways in 2024 to just better understand and know how to read the Bible well. Because reading the Bible ought to be a gift. It ought to be something you love. It ought to be something that brings refreshment, that makes you feel loved by God, and makes you wanna love other people. And, and we're gonna invite you to some really simple truths just about how to read the Bible. And then we're gonna spend that year reading the Bible in a really way that we think is gonna build you up and be awesome. We don't wanna be these people that read the Bible to become self-righteous. We wanna read it to be a people that pursue justice and love and beauty in the world. So righteousness, you need to know, is nothing like self-righteousness. And then thirdly, these are all the ways I was reading this passage wrong, and then we'll get to how we read it right. Christianity is not, hear this, this is, it is not an obsession with morality and rule-keeping. It's just not. That system doesn't work, and that system's not Christian. And in fact, today, if this sermon resonates with you, I, I want to give. I wrote a whole book that's basically on this sermon. It's the. It's an entire book, and it's called The Gospel According to Jesus. And we have stacks of them out there, and we'll give them to you as a gift for free. I would love for you to leave me my number because I'm going to text you a few thoughts and questions as you read it. But in um, in the first chapter, I quote uh, the great theologian Kanye, and. He says this, and this is what I'd love for you to think about. Why everything's supposed to be bad make me feel so good. Everything they told me not to is exactly what I would. I tried to stop, man. I tried the best I could. You, you know who Kanye is paraphrasing, right? Paul. Paul said, right, the things I don't want to do I do, things I want to do, I don't do. You know that if you focus on the negative, the rules that you're not supposed to break, it just makes you wanna break the rules. It, it, what you gotta do is set your sights on something that matters more. It, it's like if you're riding a motorcycle, if you're obsessed with thinking about potholes, you'll actually steer into potholes. You have to think about clear roads and safe roads and you move towards that thing. When I was growing up, I kid you not, this story is true. We, we had, um, I don't know what it was, it was probably in the 80s when there was like an obsession with the like say no to drugs and it was, and 
And I don't think many of us were doing drugs or thinking about doing drugs, but we had this long session, like hour and a half, one week, and it was just, don't do drugs, don't do drugs. It was an hour and a half of like, don't do drugs. And a lot of us left and we were like, I wasn't gonna do drugs, but I'm thinking about doing drugs. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of thinking I might do some drugs. Because after an hour and a half of just drugs, you were just like, I think, and I kid you not, I got back to church and these kids, these stupid kids, but they were kind of my friends, but they, they found some paint or some glue and they were huffing paint in the church, right? And it was just this like, if you just talk about what not to do, you're going to do it. They've done a million studies on these like campaigns where everybody signs this true love waits and I'm going to wait till marriage and this is what I'm going to do. And you just, and you, and you know what happens? They've done studies over and over. These kids are much more likely to engage in the riskiest of sexual behaviors because you're focusing on what not to do, not what to do. And so you need to know if you've got kids at Ecclesia, what we do in the kids ministry and what happens with our youth ministries, we're inviting kids not to say, hey, these are the rules and don't break them. We're trying to invite them to say, this is a good life. You ought to spend your life. You look at the rhythms of Ecclesia. They're good to love God, right? To to be hospitable, to be kind, to serve others, to be generous, to say, hey, let's talk about how we wanna live, not how we don't wanna live, and let's move towards that because that's what really, truly matters. What you need to know, and we, I talk about this in the book, is that sinning is not about doing bad things or forgetting to do good things. Being sinful means that we're warped. Anybody just, you, you look, see a mirror that's just slightly warped? I want one that's warped that makes me look skinnier, but it just doesn't fully reflect reality. We're just cracked or warped. Just, and it just makes relationships harder in a way that fractures all of our relationships. And we have to work at it. And what it means is we have to ask for forgiveness. We have to say, I'm sorry, I failed. And we keep working at it. But it just means it's not easy. It's not an obsession with rules and what to do and what not to do. So lastly, what is it? Let's talk about that and read the passage and then we'll come to communion. Christianity is a worldview that believes God is restoring and resurrecting all things, all things. What did I learn from my Latino brothers and sisters? That when you read, blessed are those who are persecuted for justice, that what you believe is that God is making things right in the whole world, that my brothers and sisters viewed the world through these lenses that said a resurrection is happening in everything. God's restoring and redeeming everything. And so for you, you may be at your most depressed right now. You may be at your darkest hour, but it's not the end. That, that's the story of Christianity. We go through darkness, but we know the end of the story. I quoted you this song from Wadsworth that I loved last week, and it just, the, my favorite lines, oh, good, we pulled up the whole thing, right? He says, we were talking about peacemaking and what's broken in the world, right? He's, in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong, this is what I love, the wrong shall fail. The right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. I would love it if we live with this, just lyric, the wrong will fail. The right prevail. The wrong will fail. The right prevail. Now, I don't know when, for some of us, it's not happening fast enough. I agree. But the wrong will fail. The right prevail. And the story of Christianity is about that. The wrong will fail. And the right will prevail. 
and your story is not a story of not being enough. You're more than enough. You were God's beloved. You are cherished. You are a gift. And if you're listening to the wrong voice, it's time to retune and realign. And that's why we come to communion every week. When we come to communion and the bread and the wine is offered to you, this is Christ saying to you, you are my child, you are my beloved, you are more than enough. And I want our kids to grow up in a world that they hear that. Nobody's grading your Christianity this week. You don't get a grade. And, and the good news is, our faith and what God's doing to restore all, it's not relying on us. Now, the good news is we get to participate in it. So if that checklist had been something different that said, hey, if the kid in the lunchroom is left out and you included them, guess what? You were just engaging, engaging God's resurrection story. God has a resurrection story and you were participating in it. I love the fact that I get to lead a church that when we just said to you, HISD and some of the schools we work with are struggling and teachers don't have resources. These wraparound specialists are there to take care of kids, right? Rochelle told you the story in her sermon of a wraparound specialist that found these kids and they were homeless, but she didn't have any means to then make sure they had a place to stay. Guess what? You gave $44,000, so when a wraparound specialist says a family needs a hotel, they just go book it. And I like to be a part of a church that we're a part of a resurrection story. And we're going to step next week into Advent. And we have a history now of 16 years celebrating this thing we call Advent Conspiracy, where we gather together and we've said, we're going to give each other gifts, but the most meaningful gifts needs to go to Jesus. And we can't gather week after week and claim to be followers of Jesus when families and children are drinking across the world from rivers and streams. We just can't do it. We can't do it and ignore it because we know it and we can make a difference. And so we're going to start gathering an offering. We're going to celebrate this great night on December 1st, 2nd, 1st, wine to water. Wine to, do we have a slide? Be there. It's going to be fun. You get to make a difference in the world and drink wine at the same time. What could be, this is not persecution, by the way. You're not being persecuted. You're drinking wine so other people can drink water. And I love being a part of that kind of community. And so as we come to communion, let me read to you this passage and invite you to consider. First, let me read to you. This is a quote from the, the book that I think is helpful. The gospel, this is what it is, is the good news that God is calling out all people. That's the ecclesia, the call that ones. To be redeemed by the power residing in the life, death, and ultimate resurrection of Jesus, the liberating king. These called out ones are rescued from a life of slavery, sin, and failure to become emissaries in a new kingdom set to join the redemption of the entire creation that's groaning and longing to be redeemed. What do we hear in the brokenness, in the sorrow, in the pain, in the depression, in the economic adversity, in the poverty? We hear the groaning for all things to be made right. But we're a people that believe God is making those things right and that we're participants in that work. And that, Ecclesia, is beautiful. So Matthew 6, Matthew 5, sorry. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their commitment to God's restorative justice. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. And blessed are you, Ecclesia. Blessed are all of you when people persecute you or denigrate you or despise you or tell lies about you on the account of Jesus and his commitment to restorative justice in this broken world.
But when this happens, rejoice. Be glad. Remember that God's prophets have been persecuted in the past and know that in heaven you have a great reward. So I can see I want to invite you now to the table of Christ. I pray that you will attune your ears to the voice of the Savior that says to each and every one of you, you are enough, you are more than enough, you are beloved. I gave my life for you so that you could join me in being a part of my restorative justice to make right what is broken and wrong in this world. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.